Hi, uh, my name is Vivian and I'm the, one of the assistant ministers here at St Mark's. Sorry, just sorting this out, that's probably going to slide. That's okay. We live in a divisive world, don't we? Division and anger and hatred is kind of everywhere, especially we've just kind of been so aware of it this week in our news. Um, this week was 30 years on from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody and a lot of sadness and disappointment was expressed over how little has changed. And this is understandable given that um, even in just this month there were three deaths in custody. It highlighted again that we are struggling with deep divisions of race as a nation. We also saw the March for Justice protests, which highlighted again deep divisions within our nation around gender, deep divisions that seem irreconcilable at times. As a community of Christians, we're not immune from these issues either, are we? But there's something, isn't there, that creates the way for unity. Even despite difference, and even with the reality of deep wounds, Well, today we're continuing with our series through the first part of the book of Acts, looking at the theme of what it means to go with the Spirit. In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit among the early church as it begins to face the threat of opposition and persecution. And we've looked particularly at how the Holy Spirit enables his people to overcome the threat of fear, especially as it applies to their proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing that the church is growing rapidly. There are now over 10,000 people who have converted to follow the way of Jesus. And as Jerome emphasised last week, what's ringing in our ears as we come to this passage of Acts chapter 6 is where Gamaliel says in chapter 5 verses 38 to 39 that if this is of human origin, it will fail. But if this is of God, it won't be able to be stopped not by trying to silence it, not even by persecution or threat. And we read in the last verse of chapter 5 that the apostles did not cease, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. So nothing is stopping this movement, it seems. The Holy Spirit is working powerfully in partnership with his people to ensure the message of Jesus is getting out. And for people looking on from the outside, as they're seeing the apostles unable to be stopped by persecution, they might be thinking, maybe this is really of God. But is there something else that could pose a threat to the proclamation of Christ? Well, as the community of followers grows, um, it's not called the church yet, but I'm going to refer to it as the church. As the church grows so quickly, so much change is happening, isn't it? There's people joining the community from different cultures, people speaking different languages, and people coming to faith from different levels of understanding. So it's a mishmash of people and a mishmash of needs, isn't it? And what we see in this chapter is the emergence of an internal threat, the threat of division. Well, let's look at the text at verse 1 says, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. 
So the Hellenists were uh, Greek-speaking Israelites who had also probably incorporated more Greek culture into their way of life. And the Hebrews were Israelites who spoke Aramaic, so a Semitic language, and who probably practiced Orthodox Judaism a bit more closely. So there could have been a bit of attitude between these two groups, where the Hebrews might have held a negative view of the Hellenists for perhaps practicing a less pure form of Judaism, and so potentially also holding a bit of attitude of superiority over the Hellenists. As people from these two backgrounds mingled more closely within the Christian community, what people start to notice is a bit of preferential treatment happening. The Hebrew widows seem to be getting their needs met in the practical support that's being issued, but the Hellenistic widows seem to be being neglected. Well, you might not think that this is a big deal, but this isn't just a matter of widows squabbling. This is actually potentially very fracturing of the church and damaging to the mission of God. Why? Because the very credibility of the church as a movement and the credibility of its message is on the line. If the church allowed socio-cultural or ethnic divisions to arise, it would lose its incredible distinction its distinction as a community embodying the character and the way of Jesus. This way of Jesus who said, as we read in Luke, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to comfort and provide for those who mourn. This way of Jesus that embraced the untouchables, that flipped power upside down, that served the lowliest and the worst of sinners, that welcomed the excluded. This Jesus who, by his very presence, broke down divisions of race and class and gender and status. This Jesus who brought in a new world order of the kingdom of God. So this complaint about some widows missing out goes right to the heart of the gospel. Because if people's heart attitudes towards the other weren't being changed by the levelling grace of Jesus, if people's experience of forgiveness wasn't translating into behavioural and attitudinal change in reflection of the character of Christ then how great was this grace and this gospel really? Was the good news of Jesus really good news? If the gospel that's being proclaimed is saying anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved and welcomed into his kingdom, and yet in practice it looks like the most marginalised people in the church are being excluded, then there's a lack of consistency between what's proclaimed and what's lived And it's not attractive, is it? The church would just become another hub of hypocrisy. Thomas Manton, an English English Puritan in the 17th century, said that divisions in the world always breed atheism in the world. Sorry, divisions in the church always breed atheism in the world. So you see, any inequality within the church, any injustice was potentially devastating for the message of the gospel 
and the mission to make it known to the ends of the earth. And we get this, don't we? Think about how detrimental um, child sexual abuse within the church has been to the message of Jesus in this nation. Or think of the role of the church in the stolen generations and in the colonisation of this country. How many people have said no, never to God because of the injustice that the church has harboured? It's heartbreaking, isn't it? So we get how serious this issue in Acts 6 really is. But this isn't the end of the story. God didn't let this be the determining narrative for the church. So let's read from verse 2. It says, The twelve apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them it's not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables, or to put it another way, to run a food program. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they are honourable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. That will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the word. And it goes on to say that this idea was pleasing to everyone and then lists the names of the people who were set apart for this ministry. So let's just notice a couple of things here. The complaint of the Hellenists wasn't dismissed and put aside. They weren't silenced or rebuked. But the complaint was heard. It was understood and given validity. The apostles agreed with the Hellenists that there was a serious problem that needed to be addressed. So I want to say to you today, don't be afraid to give voice to matters of inequality and injustice within the church. The Holy Spirit raises up people who have the eyes of Christ to see injustice and the heart of Christ to change it. As a young adult, I had a burning in my heart for justice, but I never actually really felt that I had any encouragement from the church to pursue it. Justice never seemed to be taught, like in sermons or in small groups. And I just kind of really longed for the church to wake up to its call to demonstrate the righteousness and justice of God in its ministry and in how it engaged with its communities. And I really grieved that the church at the time, to me, seemed so ignorant of the issues and so apathetic to even want to begin addressing them. And I felt like I was the only one who thought like this. But by God's grace, he put me in spaces where justice was taught and shown in practice, where this heart and passion within me was validated and nurtured. Well, here in this text, we see the Holy Spirit raising up people to speak up, to give voice to the oppressed and excluded. Remember when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples? He described the Holy Spirit as an advocate, or in Greek, the parakletos, in John 14. And this word is also translated as helper, comforter, and encourager. Doesn't it make sense then that people who have the Spirit of God within them are moved to advocate also for others? The very same spirit that moved Jesus to his mission of bringing good news to the oppressed is living and moving 
within us and among us. We also notice from Acts 6 that the apostles create a designated ministry to ensure the health and wholeness of the church community, a ministry that ensures that equality and justice and the ethics that Jesus taught are being upheld within the life and relationships of the church. They recognise that the demonstration of the gospel in the life of the church is essential for the proclamation of the gospel. Let me say that again. The demonstration of the gospel in the life of the church is essential for the effective proclamation of the gospel. And they recognised also their own limits and their priorities, but they also noticed and recognised the capacity and capability of others. And so seven people filled with the spirit and wisdom were set apart for this ministry. People who, as it says, were from among yourselves, people from among the Hellenists. They didn't appoint Hebrews, the ones who were seen as the oppressors, to do it. They appointed people from among the group that was being marginalised, people who were closest to the issue and understood it in its inward and outward workings. Let me share another story. Uh, Around the same time that I was struggling to find validation in the church in terms of my heart for justice, I was really concerned with gender divisions in the church. I found that there was a lack of encouragement for women to be in leadership and to teach. And I saw the way that patriarchy was holding back the flourishing of women as daughters of God who were called to partner with him in his mission. And then, I guess through that, how patriarchy was holding back the witness and flourishing of the church as a whole. Now, this week, a lot of us have been really aware of the grief expressed about the level of patriarchy and, dare I say, misogyny in this nation with the March for Justice protests earlier this week. And while the church might still have a long way to go, I'm so grateful that the Anglican Church in Melbourne, at least, is onto these issues, that they employ someone at the diocesan level to help churches support women who have been abused and assaulted, that they're trying to equip churches to confront violence against women, that they're teaching ministers and men who are training for ministry about the nature of violence against women, including its subtleties, so that they will better know how to confront it in their church cultures. I'm grateful that women who don't feel safe or respected can speak up and be heard within our church. And I'm grateful that the Anglican Church in Melbourne recognises the calling of women to all levels of ministry and supports them in these callings. And I've been blessed to have received this support and encouragement. These are things I'm really grateful for and proud of because all these things serve the credibility of our message and the spread of the gospel. See, because when the world is questioning the moral integrity of its institutions and the culture of parliament and our political leaders, I'm grateful that the Anglican Church in Melbourne can say, yes, we know. We know this is incredibly important and we're onto it. Because how we respond to issues of inequality and injustice will determine the extent to which the gospel of Jesus Christ is heard and respected in our communities. So what does this mean for us? Just as the Holy Spirit raises up people to speak up about issues of injustice, he also raises up people to do something about it. People who have the eyes and the heart of Jesus 
and the active energy of the Holy Spirit to problem solve and participate in the solution. Our friends who work at ECHO are such people. Those who are preparing meals um, and, and providing meals for people who are really struggling are such people. And there are so many among us who are doing this. And in fact, we are all called to guard the integrity of the church and the credibility of the gospel by living it, by showing it with our lives. Let's come back to this text. So in verse 7, we are told of the result of this work. It says, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests, that is Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. So through the work of the Holy Spirit to ensure the unity of the church by breaking down divisions and difference, even more people were being drawn to their knees before Christ. Even Jewish priests, the same priests who probably stood in the crowd before Pilate and insisted Jesus be killed, who were probably the ones shouting, crucify him, crucify him, are now turning to Jesus and recognising him as the Messiah and the Son of God. The same priests who held positions of privilege and power in their Jewish communities are now seeing the compelling consistency of love and grace among Jesus' followers and are laying down their power and their privilege to follow him. Because Jesus compels both the powerful and the powerless because he accepts both because in the ethics of his kingdom there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free male nor female for we are all one in Christ Jesus the Holy Spirit was guiding Jesus followers to do what Jesus did in breaking down division and difference The Spirit was ensuring that Jesus' community found unity, unity even in such diversity. Such a remarkable community can only exist because of the work of grace mediated through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who keeps us flowing with the character of God, flowing with the character of Christ, to reflect justice and mercy in all our relationships, to cross over barriers of race and class and gender, to love people who are hard to love, to be gentle and humble and kind, even to the powerful and the arrogant, to work for justice in the spirit of unity, not with angst that stirs up division, nor with anger, but with the grace and the gentleness of Christ. This is the work of the Spirit of God. If it is of man, it will fail, but if it is of God, it can't be stopped. No external threat of persecution and no internal threat of division can stop the movement of Jesus and the growth of his kingdom. So for us today, 
I'd like to think about how we can partner with the Spirit in contributing to the unity of the church. It might be out of response to how Jesus has met your needs. It might be in meditating on the character of Christ in order to find the right way to express your voice. It might be in practically helping out with our pastoral care team to support those most in need. It might be in joining others who are working for justice and equality in the wider church in Melbourne and Australia. How is the spirit moving in you to demonstrate the inclusive heart of God? Because this world gripped by division really needs this light of Christ's community. Amen.